0: Well, thank you. Uh, Thirteen years have passed since Jay Gupta ran that avi- original video, so our family has changed quite a bit since then. Uh, the girls that are in the video now range from 29. Leanne is out in Alberta, down to 15. Julie's in uh, high school, Carleen, and so is Renee. Uh, Carleen is in university right now. And then the boys on the screen range from 27. Kurt's working here in Moncton. Scott is in Ottawa. Jeff is in St. John. Uh, two of the boys, oh, Sean, I better not forget the last one, right? He's here in grade five, um, uh, still living at home, of course. And then we've got two boys married. Uh, Brent and Lindsay are living in La Alberta, right now. And Greg and Julie are living in Halifax. But the thing is, there are no grandchildren yet. And uh, I'm kind of ticked off at that because Kevin and Barb Campbell got married on the exact same day as we did. They only had three kids, and they've got three grandchildren already. <laughs> It is just so good to be here in my home church this morning with you. And I'm even going to say something for the first time. It's good to be back. And I get to say that because I've never been asked back anywhere that I have spoken before. (laughs) And I think what happened was, since I did my first... ever Mother's Day sermon here in this church. I felt very comfortable. You guys already know me. But the next year I went to Fredericton and they had me build there as Margo and Ken plus 10. I thought, oh my word. And so I wanted to try to establish rapport with them. And I was worried, oh, what if they think I'm some kind of super mom, like you, whatever that is. You guys know I don't think that, but what if they do? So I was trying to, you know, share some of my parenting failures. There was lots to choose from. And among the ones I was sharing, I was sharing how I've not been good at teaching the kids how to hang up their towels after a shower. I think I've been good at teaching them. I don't think they've been very good at learning it. But anyways, they would take off for school, and I'd find the towels on the floor and get all frustrated. So I preached as best I could, and then I got down. They had two services, so I said to Ken, well, the next service is coming up in 15 minutes. Do I need to make any changes? And he said to me, well, Margo, just make sure you clearly pronounce the P when you're talking about the damp towels. So, maybe it's not that at all. Uh, Maybe maybe you're just on an eight year rotation for Mother's Day here at the Wesleyan. Okay, today we're gonna look at Romans 15 verse four, and it'll be on the screen so you don't have to worry if you don't have your Bible handy or your phone out yet. But before we do that, let's just take a little moment and pray. Gracious Father, you have given us everything we need right here in your word. And I pray that as a result of these few moments that we spend together, that you will help us find it is what you have for each one of us, and you will change us to be more in line with you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, we'll get started. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And I'd like to lock onto that word, hope, for a few minutes this morning because I think there's so much about being a mother that's about hope. I looked it up in the dictionary and found that the definition of hope is a confident and favorable expectation. I was actually very nervous about being a mother. I did not have a confident and favorable expectation. I wasn't even really sure I wanted to be a mother. And that was, I think, for three main reasons. Firstly, I was lazy at that time in my life and very self-centered, but I was smart enough to realize that being a mother would involve putting someone else's needs ahead of my own, and clearly, I would rather read fiction than do that. (laughs) Secondly, I was crazy in love with my handsome husband. I wasn't too sure I wanted to share him. And thirdly, I didn't really like children. (laughs) I, I had babysat as a teenager, but that was only for the pop and chips and the money and so when I think back the only reason I think we decided to have children was it seemed at the time like the Christian thing to do you know Jesus loved the children so we should love children and I thought well maybe they'll grow on me in time and so my first actual hope as a mother was that the first 19 years of active parenting would go quickly I will say though If I hadn't been able to conceive, I'm pretty sure that what's now kind of a funny story that I can joke about wouldn't have been so funny. Uh, There would have grown in me a deep-seated longing for children, a bewilderment, hurt, anger, disappointment, a host of emotions as to why other women could have them and I couldn't. And then when I think of single women, and they think of, well, what if I wanted to be married and have children, but I wasn't even married yet, and there didn't seem to be anyone in sight that wanted to marry me, then there would have been hope upon hope. Of course, for parents, when they are expecting, there's the hope of a healthy baby. And with the miracles of modern medicine, sometimes you can find out before the baby's born if there's an abnormality, and sometimes that's fixable, and sometimes it isn't. And then we hope for a normal birthing process, because we know things can go wrong there. And then, when the kids are born, we hope they'll be healthy, and we hope they'll hit all their milestones. Uh, Even if they're not the very first in the nursery to roll over and sit up and be potty trained, do they have to be the last ones? And I, I will have a little confession here, a little aside. Waking up dry was not an easy task for the Bandy kids to master. And I don't know if it was my mothering or genetics or what, but we eventually had to invest in a little device that had a, an alarm that clipped to the top of their pajamas and another little clasp that clipped to their underwear. And when the underwear became wet, the alarm would emit a shrill beeping sound. And uh, in, you know theoretically, the child would wake up, and they'd start to learn how to, to go through the night. Well, Of course a child wouldn't wake up and that beeper would go off in the middle of the night and ken and i would leap out of bed and we'd rush in and throw on the light and all the kids in the room would still be sleeping but we'd take the beeping one and race them over to the bathroom and there would be nothing left in there but that was all right because we got to know that as the days and the weeks went by there would be more and more action happening in the bathroom till eventually they would wake up before the beeper even needed to be off, and then they would graduate from the beeping underwear. Great cause for rejoicing in our household. And when the 10th one was born and he was trained during the day, he was somehow magically, automatically trained through the night, and I thought, oh, is this how the other half lives? So when the child goes to school, we're still hoping. We hope they'll make friends. We hope they'll get good marks. We hope if they have life-threatening allergies that the peanut butter-eating kids will wash their hands and brush their teeth before they come to school. And if they don't, we hope our child will remember how to use their EpiPen. And the list grows on and on. We hope they aren't bullied. We hope our child isn't the bully. We hope they can latch on to a job they want or get accepted by the university or college they like. We hope they don't get drawn into any number of addictions out there, or toxic relationships. We hope they don't have to suffer mental health issues, or learning disabilities, physical diseases. Goodness knows we hope they'll be financially self-sufficient someday. Ken likes to call it off the payroll. (laughs) We hope they get married, but only to someone we like, and if we're Christians, we hope that they will also know the same joy of knowing Christ as their saviour that we know. And I realize a lot of the things we hope won't happen, do happen. Our children do get bullied, they get divorced, they have health problems, and they suffer all kinds of things that we hope they don't have to go through. But when that hope happens, we don't stop hoping, do we? We, we hope for the best possible scenario in those cases. So the theme of hope pervades not only motherhood, but fatherhood, and I know that you know everyone on the planet needs hope. Uh, But I have to mention motherhood a lot today because I am a highly-paid professional Mother's Day speaker. Um, (laughs) So that's where my comments are directed. Uh, There are women of influence who are spiritual moms. They're not biological moms, but they're spiritual moms in some cultures have a lovely word for it. It's aunt or auntie, and we don't really have a word for that in our culture for for people to address us as. But these women have a powerful influence. Some of them are leading youth groups, and there's high school students are this kind of spiritual mom, as they mentor other high school students and and, uh, middle school students as well. So really the truth is that this scripture today that we're looking at is addressed to everybody. Uh, It was in the letter to the Romans, so men, women, everybody. Um, but maybe that means it's not a true Mother's Day sermon, but I'm up here now, so we're going to press on. Okay, back to our scripture. Let's find out where we get hope. We're kind of going to walk through this a little bit backwards. We can see here that it's through through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures that we might have hope. Now, Pastor Joel was here candidating a few weeks ago, and do you remember he gave us that formula for love? Does anybody remember what that is? Because I thought it was so powerful in its simplicity. Grace plus truth equals love. You still remember it, and I thought because of... (laughs) We'll report back to him. Um, That it was so powerful in its simplicity. Oh, are you laughing because it was already up here? (laughs) Lance! All right, I'll deal with you later, mister. Okay. Okay. Uh, Where am I now? I'm gonna try another one. Don't put it up there yet, Lance, okay. Um, Endurance plus encouragement of the scriptures equals hope. Okay, now you can let them look at that for a little while. Endurance plus encouragement of the scriptures equals hope. We're gonna look at endurance but only for a moment because firstly, I think you already know what it is. It's perseverance. Perseverance is keeping on, keeping on, right? And secondly, we're not gonna look at it for long because we can't talk about perseverance for long without bumping into Romans 5, verse 3, that says suffering produces perseverance. And we don't want to talk about suffering today because that will make us late for brunch. And so, Pastor Tapper, Dr. Tapper, where are you? Yeah, I passed the baton to you on the subject of suffering for the next couple of weeks. All right, let's go on to encouragement. Encouragement, this one's more fun to talk about, is to fill with courage or strength of purpose. So think about being filled with courage. When do you need to be filled with courage? Well, for me, it's usually when I'm scared, right? Which happens quite a lot because I'm such a chicken. This might surprise some of you that I'm a chicken because most people think if you have 10 kids, you must be brave, and I can testify to you today that that is actually not true. I was reading a book once, and it wasn't talking, it was about a book about large families, but it wasn't talking about um, Courage, it was talking about intelligence. And um, the book was called A Full Quiver, which refers to a Bible verse that says, Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. And I suspect I was reading that book to find out exactly how many arrows it takes to make up a full quiver. But it did have a question, and and, and it didn't answer that question, but it did answer the question, do people think if you have a lot of children, you have a lower IQ? And the answer in the book was yes. They assume your IQ is halfway between styrofoam and yogurt. (laughs) But back to the fact that I'm fairly faint-hearted on the courage spectrum, I've always been a little bothered, I confess, when pastors get up here and they say there's 365 times in the Bible that it tells us to not be afraid or to don't fear. And the reason, like one for every day of the year, presumably. And the reason that bothers me is because in real life I blow right on by those verses. I'm already afraid, I'm already scared, so don't tell me fear not, I'm already scared. So, luckily for me, I found a verse, actually two verses, to help us with this. They're not gonna be on the screen because I want you to memorize these verses with me today. So, I'm gonna have this half of the congregation memorize the first one, and this half the second one. So, the first one is Psalm 56 verse three, and it says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. So, do you see how this is gonna work for us? Because we're already afraid, so God's still listening. He hasn't left us hanging. So I'm going to say, when I am afraid, and you guys are going to say fairly loudly and robustly, I will trust in you, okay? Here we go. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. Ooh, that was good. Okay, now I want you to do the whole thing. I want you to say, when I am afraid, I will trust in you, okay? When I am afraid, I will trust in you. Oh, that was really good. Okay, now, to this side of the congregation, it's not the whole verse, it's just a phrase, but it's the most important part of the verse. From Psalm 12, verse 1. Are you ready? Okay. Help, Lord. Help, a, Lord. Okay. We're gonna say it on three. One, two, three. Help Lord. Okay. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. And help, Lord. one more time, when I am afraid, I will trust you. help Lord. Love it, love it, love it. Okay. This one is my favorite prayer. So God wants to pour courage into us. How is he going to pour courage into us? Okay, back to the screen we go for Romans 15 verse 4. We see that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And when it says everything that was written in the past, that's the Old Testament, what the Old Testament is to us. And I admit that some parts of the Bible are harder to relate to than others, some of the laws, some of the prophecies. But other parts of the Bible come alive very quickly, like the Psalms. And uh, I tell my kids to wander around the Psalms like a land. They're like a land. And you have to get to know them. And you have to get to know where to go when you're in a certain mood. And... uh, All my kids love Caton's Island, the Wesleyan camp in the middle of the St. John River, almost two hours from here. And they spend a lot of time there in their summer. And they have their favorite trees that they go to. Sometimes it's to hide from the the director of the island when there's work to be done, I'm sure. But anyways, those, those favorite places where you want to see the sunset or you want to sit on the beach and see the sunrise. So you have to kind of get to know the Psalms. So for me now, I know when I'm happy, I can go hang around Psalm 100, a few psalms on either side of that, and and I can be happy there. When I'm mad at someone, I've learned I go to Psalm 37 or Psalm 73. If I'm grieving, I go to Psalm 34, because then I'm gonna be reminded that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. When I'm in trouble, I can go to Psalm 46, and find that God is our refuge and, ever, and our strength, an ever-present help in time of trouble. And when I don't feel like reading my Bible, I can go to Psalm 119, and there's 176 verses there to talk me back into reading my Bible and tell me why it's good for me. And my question is, if we can believe, and I hope we can, Dr. Lennox's stats. Now, Stephen Lennox is the president of Kingswood University, which is the Wesleyan Bible College in Sussex, 45 minutes from here. And he was here about two or three weeks ago, and he told us that 20% of churchgoers don't ever read their Bible, and less than half of us read it more than once a week. So how are we going to get courage poured into us? God's done his part by putting it in the Bible, but how is it going to get poured into us if we don't do our part by opening it up. And I mean, I still like the the paper Bible, my book, you know, but I mean, I know other people love it on their their iPads and on their phones. So that's what I mean when I'm talking about the Bible. Now, we're going to go to Psalm 121 for one more example of what can happen when you wander around in the Psalms. The psalmist there says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? And some commentators said there were idols in those hills. Um, Ashra poles and Baal altars. And so the psalmist was kind of looking up there going, am I going to look to there for my help like those worshippers do? Um, and then I've heard some other commentators say, no, it was just sort of the hills themselves. And if you've been to the Rockies and you look at their magnificence, you just feel almost when you look at them, like some of that strength can just kind of pour into you. So whichever it was, the psalmist is saying, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? And Now, I'm going to ask, where does my help come from when I'm in trouble? I would say, realistically, usually, Ken, the kids, my friends, and Google is where I turn when I'm in trouble. But the best answer is, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That's the second verse of that psalm. So, I'm going to say that. We're going to practice it again. It's not on the screen because... You need to know this when you're outside these walls and and living your real life, where you lift up your eyes. So I'm gonna say, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? And you all are gonna say, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Okay, let's try it. So I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Beautiful, my help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. I want to share with you three ways that have helped me look to the Lord uh, instead of Ken, the kids, my friends in Google, when, I, when I'm in trouble, when I need help. And the first one is a way of journaling. And uh, this pastor, Wayne Cordero, a pastor in Hawaii, and he wrote this book called The Divine Mentor. And that's just a reference to the Holy Spirit. And he just taught me through this book a way of journaling that has been so helpful to me. And the beauty is in its simplicity because the Bible is called the living and active Word of God. It's called inspired, which means God breathed. And Jesus said that he would send, when he went back to heaven, the Holy Spirit to come and teach us. And so the Holy Spirit helps the Bible come alive and it connects it up to our lives. And uh, I thought I would give you an example of my first soap note. It's called soap because the way he organized it is scripture. You read the scripture, and then O is observation. Just write down something you notice. A is application, how it might apply to your life. And then P is prayer. You're supposed to write out a little prayer. And so on the screen, you can see that my scripture that day was Matthew 5, verse 7, blessed are the merciful. And what I observed, what I noticed about that that day, was that God considers mercy a good thing, not weakness or bending the rules, or the opposite of justice, because in my mothering mind, that's what it would often seem like. And so my application was that I actually need to be more merciful. I I felt that lack in my life, because I tend to think of mercy as letting someone off the hook, and I have it right in there. It was written 10 years ago, especially the kids. Um, or not being consistent in holding up a rule. But mercy under God's direction is a good thing, a blessed thing. God is merciful, therefore when I'm merciful, I more accurately reflect Him. And then just a simple prayer, help me Lord, to be aware of the chances to practice mercy around here. And at the time that felt really simple, but now 10 years later I look back and I think, wow, I don't really think I could have come up with that without the Holy Spirit. So I could see the Holy Spirit working in me that way. And you can buy that book off of Amazon. Um, Now the second thing that's been so helpful for me um, is a book called Face to Face by Kenneth Boa. I don't really have time to get into it, but I'll just say that this man has taken some Bible verses and switched around the pronouns to make them into prayers. And when I am exhausted, or I'm sick of my own prayers, it's just gimme, 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 or bless, bless, bless. Uh, This book sort of jump-starts me back into some other helpful prayers. And especially uh, after my own mom passed away, when my soul was so frozen with grief, this was the only way I could pray for quite a while. So if you're going through grief right now, or a time of great fear, this might be helpful to you as well. Um, and then the third thing that helps me look to the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, when I need help are my friends. And uh, if you don't have some friends who will invite you to a Bible study or host a Bible study, um, tell you what, scripture's meaning, what, what Scripture means to them, what's working in their lives right now, um, pray with you on the phone then I really think you should just ask God and don't stop asking. Persevere in prayer till he gives you one of those friends. And you can use that verse from Ecclesiastes that says, Two are better than one, for if one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who has no one to help him up. And truly, my friends have helped me up and turned my face back to the Lord when I couldn't do it myself. Okay, we'll have a quick recap here. Romans 15 verse four, where have we been? Well, we went through it backwards. We started with hope. We agreed that we all need it. We said, where do we get hope? We got it through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures. Endurance is persevering. Courage, encouragement is filling up with courage. And our verses for courage are, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. Okay, you forgot it already. Oh my goodness, you're like my kids. Okay, also, when I am afraid, Good job. And you guys, help, Lord. That's right. Okay, you're doing well. And then our other verse I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Beautiful. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Okay, before I finish, one last little problem to address. There may be some people here who don't feel they can come to Jesus, they don't have a friendship with him yet, a personal relationship. And in a few minutes, you'll have an opportunity to do that. But I want to read you something that I found in my journal while I was preparing for today. Um, and I, want, I don't have time to get into the whole scripture, uh, what caused me to think of this application. But it says, come to Jesus before your act is together. So many times, I think, we, we think we need to get our act together before we can come to Him. And that isn't true. If you don't know Jesus personally, you don't have to wait until your act is together. The father who came to him in this uh, Bible, this story, uh, had a sick child, and he came to Jesus, and then afterwards it says he and his household believed. Um, so you can come to him with your sick children, just like this father did. You can come to him with your elderly parents, your struggling marriage, your love life, your finances your health issues, your friendship problems, your sin, your guilt, your fear, your brokenness in any area, and in fact, you can even come to him with your unbelief like Pastor Joel preached on a couple of weeks ago. He talked about that mixture of belief and unbelief that we have, and you can see that online if you weren't here. He did such a good job of explaining how we feel about that, so... Um, Keep that in mind just to come to Jesus when he calls your name and not to think your act has to be together. Okay, I want all the women to stand right now, just the women as I close. Jen, you come here. There's a beautiful verse in the Bible that I've loved since I was 17 years old that I would like to share with you girls. From Isaiah 40, verse 31, it says that they who wait upon the Lord or those who hope, same word, hope in the Lord, will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And girls, there's going to be those days where you are going to mount up with wings as eagles as you hope in the Lord. He's going to ask you to marry him, or you survive childbirth, or you got the job. Wonderful days where you're mounting up with wings as eagles. And then there are going to be days where you run, and you don't grow weary. And you, you'll grow weary when you put your head on the pillow at the end of the day. But I mean you're making it, you're doing it, you're running to the dentist appointments, you're going to hockey practice, you're dropping kids off at music lessons, you're helping them with homework, you're doing the groceries and the laundry, you're helping a friend, you're phoning your your far away child and giving support that way. But then there's going to be other days when you are hoping with all your might and main... Now, if you're close to another woman, could you just reach out and hold her hand for just a minute? And I want you to give her hand a real squeeze right now because you know, girls, there's going to be those times where all we're promised from God's word is that when we are hoping in him, we will walk and not faint. It's all we will be able to do is to put one foot in front of the other and not fall over. But that will be God renewing our strength and we will be able to do that in that day with his help. And now, girls, just close your eyes while I bless you from Romans 15. And now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.